Hi, this is Jim, and this is Second Chance, a Moped Podcast. And welcome everybody to another week of Second Chance Moped Podcast. You know what? I'm going to say this right now just because it'll hold me accountable. We're going to go back on YouTube because it's wintertime. I have more time to do this shit. So you guys on YouTube land, you're going to see a, a longer hair Jim Henry and a bearded Jim Henry, but whatever. Um, yeah, dude, I finally did a shop update this week I've been wanting to do for years. I put a ceiling in my shop. The reason why I had to put a ceiling in was I my house and my garage got hit by hail really bad this spring. And I just mentioned to him, hey, could I get a... It's ridge cap put in my garage because I have really bad humidity and all that stuff. And my paper from my um, insulation get wet all the time. They did that, cleared all that stuff up. But if I want to heat my garage, now I have to put a ceiling in it. And I love it. I, but, like, it was a disaster. I can't thank my, uh, Steve from the Casserolers, uh, Colby, my uh, chase driver for Baker's Dozen, and even my niece, Sydney Bryant. She even helped me put up one sheet of uh, drywall. So... But you know, I felt I felt like Dexter there. I had a lot of poly going on. I was looking for some bodies, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> that was my attempt at humor, people. But uh, yeah, I'm so effing effing excited, and that's another thing I'm gonna try to do is cut down the f bombs. Um, mopeds like we just got snow in Minnesota, and the moped season kind of wrapped up already. But I am so it's freaking november and i'm excited for april like because there's so many rad things going on in mopeds um treats just dropped all those freaking hobbit rear wheel hobbit mags which is super cool for hobbit people uh the rear um brake uh brake pads coming out from what i hear it's gonna be awesome i saw some demo stuff for it it's gonna actually lock up harder than oem so that's rad um I'm excited for Baker. So like I am Colby and I were talking about already the starting out in the salt fat lats. Um, and I'm excited for something that I'm going to be coming to a couple weeks, uh, Chad Burke's building gather and a person who I met, not related to Chad Burke at all, but somebody who I actually met. Um, we had some interactions early on and like I was, I had probably had foot and mouth syndrome a lot. Cause I always feel like I have to defend myself all the time and not just let people be them. Um, and I got to meet I got to meet my guests for a few minutes at uh, the Zeros uh, swap meet, which was just a freaking riot. I loved love Andy and just Jared, all Reno, all those kids, Evil Steve, which I still will put my plant my flag in the sand. Zeros, you screwed up. He should have been Steve the jeweler. I mean, he's a goddamn jeweler. How do you how do you not name somebody a jeweler? Anyways, gonna let it go. Gonna let it go. Um, but no, like. I've never been to this city. I've been all around the city, and I need to get there. Uh, I'm doing a terrible lead-in. I'm just going to have my guest uh, introduce himself right now. All right. Hey, how you doing? Um, I'm like not not accustomed to talking on the internet myself, but yeah, yeah. I'm Alex Samuel, um, member of Motor City Riot uh, Moped Club, and owner of Detroit Moped Works. Um, owner of the uh, the former old Nasty Yacht Club, which was the MCR Clubhouse for a lot of years. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm full into mopeds. I think I'm about as in in as a person can be here with the, uh, the shop and all. Yeah, uh, yeah, dude. And I, that's uh, uh, I had Andy. Uh, I call him Detroit Andy or Treatland Andy. I don't. I feel I don't like. 
I think it's Detroit, Andy. Um, I had him on the show a couple years ago. I oh, can't believe that's been that long already. And he talked about it was the first time I ever heard of the old nasty yacht club because I'm still feel like I'm super new to mopeds, even though I, I'm not going to say it because I'm going to get too much yet. But um, he told me about how rad it was. And like, that's when the first experience I really had with clubs having their own club. Cause that was still kind of a foreign concept to me and that sucks. That all happened to you guys, but we're going to get into it. We're going to do all that. We're going to talk about all that stuff. I need to ask you and do my, I'm screwing up all my lead-ins tonight, but you know, whatever. Right. Um, <laughs> here, Alex on second chance of open podcast. We go through people's moped, moped journeys. IE the very first time they ever saw a moped to like smile ride early part, middle part and what it's like today. So Alex, let me ask you this. Right. What's the very first time you ever remember seeing a moped? You're not necessarily getting on, but like you conceptually know that is a moped. I don't know that I, I specifically didn't know that it was a moped, but when I was uh, 11 years old back in 92, um, I went to Italy and I was at a camp there for a month and like we'd go to town and you'd see people on mopeds. Like I didn't know what it was, right? Like I mm-hmm. just had no idea, but I had like an image mentally burned in my head of what this what this contraption was so like i felt like it was a moped you know but in detroit we didn't have mopeds or at least not anything that was like in my field of vision you know occasionally there were some kids in the neighborhood with sprees and in my mind the difference between a proper moped and like a you know 1980s scooter was the wheel size you know so i remember like and craigslist first first came out i was on there and i'm like moped with big wheels right like i didn't even <laughs> like conceptually understand what i was what i was searching for and that didn't take me anywhere um and then sometime after college i went to greece and i saw him again and i was like i was like i need this thing like whatever this thing is i need to get it and, and i'm a I, sorry alex let me pause for a second i'm a sucker for like timelines and like dates and stuff like that okay so like what year were you in greece like i think we're around the same age but like college can mean a lot of different times yeah, so yeah um it would have been probably I can look at my MySpace, MySpace years, whenever, whenever that was. Oh um, yeah. So what was that? 2001, like? baby. That's yeah, the peak. Yeah, 2001. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it might have been probably 2000, probably more 2003. But okay. either or, either yeah. or, right? Um, so yeah, so I was there, and I was like, I should, you know, I, so it was back in my head again. I'm back, back on the quest, but again, still didn't like quite know know what it was plus i was partying a lot right now yeah dude you're younger than i am now not that young but younger than i am now yeah yeah dude you're in a foreign country you're gonna absorb everything you can yeah Yeah. um and then maybe let's say 2008 or so um i was at a garage i was working doing like demolition mold remediation gutting Mm -hmm. basements um and next door to the house that we were working at was um was a garage sale and there was a red Pook Maxi, like the one behind you, and um, and a Honda Urban Express. And I was like, I, I don't know what this is. I want to buy them. You know, so I bought them from this old Italian guy. He was like, oh, man, my son's going to be so mad when I sell these. But, you know, <laughs> he's he's racing his Bugattis or whatever. He's racing these days. He doesn't need these, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so I I'm them, secretly but... jealous of all you people who found these things at garage sales. And to this day, if I see a garage sale... I will specifically stop and just do a quick run through to see if there's a moped in the garage. Cause I believe it can still happen, but I still yeah. think you guys are all full of crap. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was 2008 times. I don't know, which yeah, it wasn't dude, that dude. long ago, but it was it's been a while. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I bought them. Um, it was a black urban express with the, uh, with the Brown stickers on it, kind of a rare, rare one. And then actually the maxi was a red one. It was a flat red 
kind of like the red that you see on a uh, Maxi N. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have like the metallic to it. I mean, it's obviously it's glossy because it's polished or whatnot. Yeah. But it's not. Um, doesn't have that like metallic color to it and yep. pearlescence or whatever in it. And to this day, I've been on a hunt for one and I can't find one. So I see a lot of like, I mean, obviously we get a lot of maxis through the shop, a lot of the regular, like the red colored maxis, yep. but never a non-rigid with the rigid color. Like okay. can't can't find one. So I'm on a hunt um for, for one of those. I think you can get them in like a, a 74, right? But we don't get a ton of them. Yeah. That is that kind of like the Alice the um white uh maxi the white magnum that everybody always talks about that like they're out there but they're not out there and like i was told by somebody who was into mopeds like the entire from back in the 70s on up he goes the reason why the white uh magnums were so rare was because nobody wanted them like nobody ordered them and that could have been maybe the case with that uh rigid that maxi with your color scheme nobody ordered them that way I, mean, I, guess, I don't know. I guess not. I mean, Myron's Myron's shows that they never made a non-rigid maxi in the U.S. in that color. But I mean, I had one. Like I've, you know, I've like looked at the pictures again in detail to see mm-hmm. if like my memory's wrong or the lights are wrong. And uh, no, it just it just was there. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I know. No, dude, it'd be rad if you found it. Like I'll keep my eyes out for you if yeah. I ever. Yeah, you know, it's a Midwest dude. You trip over maxis and hobbits. That's what you yeah. do. Yeah, every, every town's different. You know, we don't uh, like we don't have Peugeots in Michigan. I don't know if you mm-hmm. guys have them there. We don't have they're they're sporadic. Like I guess there was a dealership in South uh, West Minnesota for Peugeots, and like maybe like, so they're real. I actually just fished a motorbicane out of Wisconsin a couple weeks ago. Okay. But like they're they're, you know, you'll see them pop up every once in a while, but in really odd spots too. Yeah, motorbicanes we've got coming out of our ears here. Like okay, a ton of motorbicanes, um, ton of pooks and pintos and hobbits and all the nopeds, the you mm-hmm. know F-A-50s and QT50s and whatnot. We don't got a lot of a lot of marinis. Um, I say sadly, uh, we had a big <laughs> Jawa dealer here, so we had a lot of Jawas here. Um, nice. Our, we don't get a lot of them anymore because they're all dead. They yeah, trash. But like one of our customers, Rob the cop, used to work at a Jawa dealership just like down the road from here. Awesome. Um, and then we don't really get V1s except for city bikes. A lot of we, city you bikes. never see V1s the in Minnesota. Like the few that are here are like in like if you will imported in. Like somebody got them from somebody else in the moped scene. Like I don't think there there's nothing Italian here really. Hmm. Yeah, we get we get those. I did buy a Fantic dealer out. Um but I mean you don't see Fantics. I mean I guess I'm I don't know. I guess they just bought gaskets or something. I don't know where they came from. <laughs> um, but you don't see a lot of them. Um, Solex, like Solex of North America, was in Detroit. Okay. Um, just kind of close to here. And I one time got a bike that had a uh, had a piece of like oldie time paper in it. There was a city of Detroit Solex bicycle registration form, and so you mm-hmm. can register before like the U.S. Congress made moped laws to make you know mopeds in every state. Uh huh. In Detroit, you could buy a Solex style motorized bicycle and get a special registration for it um and we had a ton of them here i one time we were at a did you keep did you keep that like piece of paper or frame it i kept it but i keep a lot of pieces of paper so what dude how i can find it i don't know but it's here in this building no no, and you don't need to like show me by any means like but like i'm that weird like historian hoarder kind of person at times like i need to keep this and preserve it but it's like does it matter maybe i I don't know i have a lot of so cool 
I have a folder with like a, a lot of first owners, first picture of the day that they got their bike. You know, I've got like when I sell bikes, obviously I'll sell them with the registration if they exist, but I never sell the like, uh, you know, the random bits of like original dealership paperwork mm-hmm. or um, um, the original warranty. I have like a whole library of manuals here um, and stuff, which is cool. I have like that. Do you biggest. have uh, manuals for a Mondial by any chance? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just, no. just check it. Uh, no. Uh, yeah, just, just no. <laughs> we actually do have quite a few Bodavis, um manuals. We bought out a Bodavis, bought out two Bodavis dealers, mm-hmm. but I guess they were probably out of them by Mondial years, and maybe they just didn't have them. Uh, no, nobody yeah. bought them. I don't, I don't know what it was, but yeah, yeah. I think like in the little, and I'm saying you know way more than me, but like, wasn't the Mondial and Grand Prix like the last few years of of Bodavai, Bodavis, Bodavis? I mean, I would just, uh, I guess, in my mind, it is, um, but yeah. I don't, uh, I don't have any. any that's what, that's what my mind says too. Yeah. They're like realizing nobody wanted their motors, so and yeah. like, let's try this. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, another one actually that was here too was uh was Track of America, mm-hmm. at least the Midwest branch was here, so we get a shitload of tracks here, and um, the tracks were still running the M56 motors for quite a while. Um, bad, they're bad. Well, they're good motors when they work. But they're yeah, bad yeah. motors when they don't work, uh, is for sure. I think the track two-speed motors are great. We, um, you know, we did the, we did the Minneapolis to New Orleans pinball run mm-hmm. um, as the shop. And then the next year we were like, we were all set up. We were going to do track two speeds. We're like, oh, we showed everybody like what we could do on ZAs. Let's do tracks. And me and uh, Andrew Struther from the Nonos, who used to work here, we built a pair of like complementary tracks. I did the red, yeah. the black, and we did white walls on them, and we did stock cylinder. With the MLM pipe and the VM18 and regeared them, I and we had, I mean, they were doing. We had like the, I think the Polini two pedal reeds on it, like the one that looks like the Melosi four pedal, mm-hmm. and um, and we were like already we're getting you know going about fifty on them, and we fifty fifty bikes. We're like, yeah, we're gonna ride tracks. Dude, that's awesome. And that's then, like um, the I, Alex. Let's stop and pause, and everybody kind of really absorb that a fifty mile an hour trek. Like yeah. that's, hey, I don't think anybody's tried to do that, but be like, why would you try to do it? Like, dude, that's well, so, awesome. So with the tracks, they came in the top tank body size, garbage suspension, like the, um, the little one with the front fairing, mm-hmm. garbage suspension, the, uh, and wheels as well, right? The M56 motor trash, the single speed, um, like pedal motor that was their own kind of okay, but the two speed motor. Perfect. And then they made the one body that was the Olympic and Liberty. And that has, I don't know, they bought the suspension from like a Suzuki or something like that motorcycle. So it's mm-hmm. got Suzuki 125 wheels with huge brakes, big dampeners on them, hydraulic suspension on them, super okay. duper comfy. And then the two speed motor uses A3 clutches, but they're like an upgraded A3 clutch. Mm-hmm. It uses the Tomo slash Puzo reblock on there. Like, God, they're great bikes. They're the only Dude. like, you know, you have to have that body with that motor but yeah but i i now can say like my trek knowledge is like quadrupled like i I, okay i can't think of the next project because i gotta finish four other ones but we'll we'll, dude that's so awesome i got tons of questions for you for a little later on the show so you're you're looking for this you got you get that maxi from the garage sale was it running like what what was the Uh, state of this yeah, I mean, it was just a good, clean, running, like, you know, wealthy McMansion. Not wealthy, but kind of like, you know, 
sterile suburb McMansion kind of a place that they kept their bikes sterile and functional and clean. And so like we got them and they ran and they were just fine. And, you know, uh, my girlfriend, Holly, she would ride the, like the maxi was hers and the urban express was mine. And we'd take them and we'd like ride them to, to Belle Isle and to the yacht club and to lunch and just like, Mm -hmm. just ride them like two normal people who bought a thing and used them. Right. Like Mm -hmm. nothing. We weren't, we weren't deep into mopeds. Right. So Um, that was going to be my next question. When did the, it's an addiction at this point. Everybody who's even listening to this, like, when did the teeth really sink in for you with mopeds? Like, when did the obsession really hit you then? So at the time, um, Davide Stella, who's still kind of around mopeds, um, he went to high school. Well, he went to my high school a little bit older than me. But, you know, I'd, I'd see him at the bars and he'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, I got some mopeds and I'm in this moped gang. And like, you know, we go out drinking beers and breaking the law and going, you know, funny, he's a lawyer, but um, <laughs> you know, going, going the speeds that one goes on mopeds while drinking beers in the middle of the night. And I was like, it sounds kind of cool, but, you know, somewhat intimidating. And then um, actually another friend of mine, also from high school, but a couple of years younger than me, uh, he was a DJ around town, Mike Petrak, and he was also in the club and he's, he had a red maxi just like Holly and his was kitted. And he's like, you know, you gotta, gotta do this. But again, it's like, it's tempting, but it's also intimidating, right? At this mm-hmm. point, moped people and culture are not intimidating to me at all. But at the time, like, it seems like something really awesome, crazy, something to us, like, just, just cool as shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, so, it can be very, like, I, I hear you a hundred percent can be very intimidating walk you being you. And if you walk into this whole new scene and culture, like, yeah, yeah that you're a hundred percent. Right. But like, yeah. What talk so, about your experience a little more with that. So we, you know, some more years persisted. I'd like, look at mcr on the internet but like i'm like god ah, it's cool fun our bikes go 25 this is weird i don't know whatever right mm-hmm. and then one year our bikes wouldn't start and it's funny because i know they just needed like now i know they just needed like the main jet blown out or just like just <laughs> nothing i'm sure right i'm sure they were perfectly fine bikes but of course i did just not no idea so then um so then like i get on the phone and i call 1977 mopeds and i'm like mm-hmm. i have these two bikes talk me through a build and it's funny i mean they so like i talked to them placed a phone order with 77 they mailed me um you know a k-star and a bing 15 and a bullet pipe for the pook and then they mailed me like um i think the weekend i have a weekend's pipe on the urban anyways weekend's pipe the wizard kit phbg 21 and so i'm like i have this stuff and i like call my car mechanic and i'm like hey can you put this stuff on? And he's like, no, I d- no, like it's no. not what I do. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't understand. I feel like you're a car mechanic. You can obviously fix my toy motorcycle. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, no, it's not, um, not a thing. So then I proceed to spend all summer with my good buddy, um, who he, he built and raced triumphs. He repaired his own helicopters and flew helicopters. He was like a BMW mechanic at a dealership. He was a bicycle messenger, repairs bicycles. Like, you know, clearly this guy's going to be the guy that's going to know it, right? But he didn't yeah, know he... about all on mopeds, right? So, like, we spent <laughs> we spent just a lot of nights in his shed kidding two bikes, something that, like, you know, we charge not very much money for and knock out in a couple hours here. But, I mean, we spent, like, all summer doing this, Is, right? Isn't that weird, that progression of your mechanical knowledge? Like, yeah. I struggle... I struggle with certain bikes just all summer. And like, I, I fix somebody's bike in an hour and a half the other week or like, it's yeah. weird how, like, I know another very capable person in the mechanical world. Like he's a retired airplane mechanic and 
you would think he would know everything and everything. And I'm sitting there teaching him about hobbits and like, it's just, it's, it's weird. And that's awesome that like, you can be nobody mechanic and like, you can have the expert next to you and you both can't figure it out at first. Yeah, no, it was, it was a funny thing. I think, uh, one of the, like we had just opened the shop and actually Davide, who I mentioned earlier was in here shopping and or picking something up or whatever he was doing. And a customer came in with a repair and they were like, I, you know, here's my whatever moped, easy repair. I should be in pretty good shape. My uncle, who's a pretty good mechanic, worked on it. And Uh-oh. Davide goes, someone's uncle who's a pretty good mechanic is the reason why every moped we get is destroyed. <laughs> you know? That's um, awesome, that's kind of, dude. Yeah. That's like my mindset. You know, every time someone's like, oh, I can't work on it. I work on my Harley. I'm like, dude, I fucking hope your Harley works. Like, do you know how much that thing costs? And yeah. like, it's supposed to work and there's an instruction manual and you can get parts for it. Like, we're, mm-hmm. you know, we have to do this all by, you know, smell and taste and feel and, you know, uh, just bitter knowledge is what it comes yeah. down to. Like actually bring, like I tell, like, you know, you're way more of a moped expert than me, but like the knowledge I have about bikes is cause I've messed up that way. So I know not to do that anymore. Basically, yeah. um, you jump kind of a little bit in the timeline. What, like, at what point did you, you said Motor City Ride had already been, it sounded like it had already been established when you got a bike. Like, at what point did you start hanging around, uh, prospecting, like, doing all that stuff? So, um, I guess it was probably, let's say, 2013 mm-hmm. or so. Um, was was the year, 12, 13, whatever. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, you know, kid the bike. So now it's like, now I can go hang out with the club, right? I feel like now we can go fast enough so we can hang out and like, we can hang and be cool. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so well, we hang do, like, and keep up at least. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So we ride, I did the Thunderdrome ride, which is, which was fun. That was like when the Thunderdrome races here were still big mm-hmm. thing going on. Um, and then, so I got to know the club a little bit and then we had the zombie ride that year and, you know, we're all dressed up in our zombie makeup and riding and drinking and we're driving down Fort Street where the old nasty yacht club is. And, you know, we're driving I'm like, hey, you, these dudes who I kind of know who like, you know, um, you guys want to come check out this building that I own. And I hadn't been there in years at that point in time. It was just like a building that my buddies and I owned. And we had kind of, uh, we failed at getting it going. We're like, oh, we're going to open the Sweet After Hours Club. And mm-hmm. then uh, we like ran new wiring. The city came out and they're like, you didn't pull a permit. We're not going to let you. Like, we're not going to turn your power on. Wind came out of our sails. We're just, like, not doing it. But yeah, I left yeah. the club in there, and, you know, everyone's drinking and running around this dark abandoned building, and they're like, well, we need a clubhouse. Can we have this building for the clubhouse? And, again, in my mind, like, I still have this romantic idea of what these moped people are. I'm like, oh, wow, they're all DIY. They're all so artsy-fartsy, and, and you know, so much ingenuity here. And, like, these guys are going to really fix up my building. So I'm like, sure, have free <laughs> rent. Make my building great, you know? <laughs> so that's this is, like, what I imagine – uh, is going to happen. And, um, and it turns out that like they the club was, didn't have a home at the time. They'd meet at Omnicore, which is a maker space, um, in Eastern market here. Mm-hmm. And, but the people like some of the members only wanted to throw time at it. No money. Some only wanted to throw money at it. No time. Some were like, yeah, we just want to drive down from the suburbs and like fuck around. We don't, this, this is not what we want to be involved with. Right. Yeah. So I, wanted to make this a reality right so i ended up spending a lot of time there um helping put the building together spending a bunch of my personal money trying to get the building um in a condition to be used which meant i spent a lot of time with the club at that point in time and um speaking of chad burke building gather 
you know. So at this point, I'm aware of the the club thing, but I thought that I had to be asked to be in the club. And my mm-hmm. girlfriend Holly and I, we both thought like, you know, we're waiting for our invitation. You know, yep. we're, we're trying not to like overstep because this is still like new and new and cool and intimidating, right? So yeah, um, it's always it's always that weird thing yeah. like, do I ask? Do they ask me? Blah 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 blah. So we're at Building Gather and um. Rod Rodney from our club who lives in Florida now. Um, you know, he's sitting there drinking his like gallon of Captain Morgan and <laughs> very Coke Mountain Dew root beer, whatever he's doing. And um, and he's like, So when are you guys gonna ask to be in the club? And we're like, What we're waiting for you. No, you have to ask us. And he's like, No, no, we don't ask you, you ask us. I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh fuck, yeah, we want to do it. <laughs> you know? Um, so that was that was, I guess, um, you know, that that year real quick. Thunderdrome, zombie ride, building gather, clubhouse is going on. Um, no, let me, you got a lot going on in that year. Let me ask you this. And I understand Michigan, you can just stay in this ecosystem of mopeds. Were you getting out of state and Ohio doesn't count as out of state? <laughs> Were you getting out and doing other moped stuff? Like, are you just staying in that like Michigan ecosystem of mopeds? I mean, it was really like 13, we started hanging out. 14, 15, I don't can look at like back when uh when you used to go on the Moped Army profile and write every rally that you went to. I can probably check my mm-hmm. my uh history, but I think it was like yeah, probably 14, 15 that we traveled what seemed like a lot. I mean, as much as like at that yeah. point, like you know, adults with jobs can't just be skipping town all the time. But like, you know, at that point, like we went to um what was it like the dead peds on the notches <laughs> trace, went to that one. Um, my girlfriend actually was Holly went to like a number of rallies without me. She went to uh Dead Peds and Nasty Action, um, mm-hmm. back then. I think what other stuff I went to. I mean, we obviously we did pinball run, so that was yeah, traveling. And I, I definitely want to get into pinball run and stuff like that. So yeah. you went to like one of the building gathers. Um, you you asked uh yeah, finally figured out how the prospecting thing works. You asked to be in the club how long did it take um i have nothing like i know andy stout was a big part of motor city riot for a long time like love 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 them down in ohio yeah um i mean it was just like as long as the prospecting prospecting period took so mm-hmm. whatever it was at six months or something it wasn't 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 terribly long till we were in i mean um i had clubhouse that couldn't really no. yeah. <laughs> you came packing heat if you will yeah. and not the destroyed style heat uh, um, i do love the the rallies you guys used to throw you probably won't get murdered like yeah that. yeah that was um yeah i forget how <laughs> i forget how we came up with it but it was just like you know you get a lot of these things that people have in their head about detroit and it's like well what's what's detroit like is it safe well like yeah you probably won't get murdered you yeah know, that was kind of the <laughs> the mindset with it um all of my knowledge of Detroit came from RoboCop in the '80s, so that's all I'm saying. Like, is have you watched? There's like a clip on the internet from like you know back when there wasn't a million videos, but it's like a 15 minute rap song with like like a British rapper, 15 minutes, like the synopsis of the entire movie of RoboCop. No, but I'm now going to dig deeply after this podcast as I edit it for. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that that was back then, and um, I mean. Those were, uh, I mean, I love the club. It's doing good um, right now. I mean, the clubhouse. I mean, it's it's functional now. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like we're. we're well, do you want to talk? Like, I mean, we'll jump. We're jumping all over. I don't care. But do you want to talk right. about? I heard a little bit. Like 
what happened with the old nasty yacht club and like where there where motor city ride is now like do you want to kind of talk about that or can you talk about that i don't know like is, uh yeah i mean there's not really a you know we started off we started off with this sort of a, a conceptual idea that like i would give the club free rent for a year and then after a year I'd collect $300 a month. And then after a year, $400 a month. And after a year, $500 a month. Then eventually get to the point where like, it was a real rent or we'd like negotiate terms or the club could figure out how to buy it or whatever, you know, whatever we'd come to terms with, right? So that was the initial plan. But the club just kind of like, there was never any money. I mean, Mm -hmm. they were spending money on the club. So it's not they, we were spending money on the, the clubhouse. So it's not like money wasn't being spent, but there was like never really a chance for, um, I mean, I wasn't making any money on it, right? Like the money yeah. that I collected paid taxes and the tickets that we got each year. And that was it. So like mm-hmm. I had this building that I was running out for no profit, which is fine and fun. The building was like, um, you know, improving steadily. But at no point in time did the club pull permits for anything, get a certificate <laughs> of occupancy, like none of that stuff occurred. And it really wasn't, I mean, it wasn't in the budget, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I had no budget and the club was spending all on renovation. So there just wasn't, wasn't an adult like, budget for it you know yeah um and so this big sloppy terrible mean man that works at the uh city of detroit zoning commission he he drives past the old nasty every day on his way home so it's not Mm. like you know um a lot of other clubhouses that exist like the new one and like the moped misfits clubhouse and i'm i'm sure all kinds of like motorcycle gang clubhouses like they don't the city's not that aggressively after you, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, they're not going to catch you if like you get together on the weekends or a couple of weeknights or, you know, it'll be like a non-issue. It'll just be a vacant building. You pay your vacant building fee, carry on. But this dude was there every day and the club was active too. So people were going there, you know, every day to do some personal wrenching, to drink mm-hmm. some beers, to organize little rides. It was like, it was an active building. And with this dude driving by every day, there was just no, no thing. I mean, the amount of, stuff that would have had to been done to like undo the unpermitted renovations to redo the permitted renovations mm-hmm. would have been $150,000. And that just, yeah. that, wasn't, that wasn't part of it. Like we, there just wasn't an opportunity for that. So I mean, it wasn't like, I don't know. I mean, it wasn't terrible. It was kind yeah. of sad, but you know, I mean, I, I had this building that I was just kind of doing nothing with the club was just kind of spending money and time and you'd get some like resentment of, um, people that felt like they were spending more time or money than other people. And then the people weren't pulling their low, but it's like, you can't be mad at somebody for that. So yeah. at this point, um, I think the arrangement makes. And so then when that got shut down, um, I have another building down the street from here. And I thought, well, we can relive these glory days of Omnicore where like everybody came down. <laughs> it was like a special night of the week, but like the wind was kind of taken out of the club sales at that point. Um, mm-hmm. but then Bob was able to get, get the new nasty. And, um, it's just like Bob took out a loan, bought a kind of okay building, took out mm-hmm. a construction loan, put a new roof on it, got it repainted, got new plumbing in there, got a security system. Uh, we pay like an actual grown up rent for like a clean space that yeah. has got security cameras and utilities covered and it's secure and it, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. And so now the club has a, a functional clubhouse. It's got uh, a home. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a home and like, if I got pool tables and dartboards and widescreen TVs and stereos and like that's so yeah, rad. I mean, it's it's like a good good functional space. So it doesn't quite have the 
the character of the old nasty, but it sure works a lot better. <laughs> you know, and like, and like, you know, if you go there to work on mopeds, I mean, I think for a while we became like a, a building fixing club out of moped yeah. club, you know, which is fun, <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, you know, it's not really like that montage from Revenge of the Nerds where like you spend the day slapping some new paint on it and it's it's cool, you know, it's like, yeah, it like, doesn't work out like that. Yeah, fighting yeah. an no, old building. And like I've seen some videos from a few people around Michigan, Detroit, from like the new setup. And dude, it looks awesome. You guys look yeah. like you you got it dialed in halfway good. That's that makes me happy. And like, it seems like cities with a clubhouse generally will always ha- keep a strong moped scene. I look at like uh, down in Toledo, like what they've done. Yeah. I look out in Seattle, like what they're doing. Um, the heavy peddlers, peddlers. I'm sorry, Randy. I screw up your club's name all the time. They just secured a, a clubhouse out in one of the sand cities of California. I don't know because I haven't been to California since I was 12. Um, <laughs> Upjet, I believe, still has a space. Like That's awesome. And I'm so jealous of clubs that have spaces. Not even so much that I need a place to wrench, but just for that community focal point, which is awesome. Um let me ask you this. You talked about doing pinball run. Um, you, was the Detroit to Boston your first crack at it? Or had, or it's actually the Baker's dozen at that point. But when was the first time? Or Yeah, just want to talk about your experience with Baker's dozen and pinball. Yeah, so I'll, uh, the only one that we did was the uh, Minneapolis to New Orleans one. Oh, okay. I, yep. Why did I have in my head you did Boston? I'm sorry. I mean, the D- Detroit one did leave from our clubhouse. You know, well, actually that could... during a rally, so we were like, uh, you know, we were mid mid rally during the send off, um, nice. for that. But uh, but yeah, no, I mean, we just um decided to do it. It was like we had just opened up the shop, mm-hmm. um, at the time. I think she, yeah, I was still working my corporate gig at the time, but like I had opened the shop. Um, Ted, my old business partner, was here running it, and like, yeah, I mean, we just uh, at the time I had, at the time I worked at a big corporate job so i had a budget and paid vacation and like i just could go um so like yeah i mean i built we all did za50s um you know i I built mine my girlfriend holly built uh built her own motor her own bike bob built his um bob manikowski and Mm -hmm. um sarah scouten was our chase um with with alex grow um from cranks Mm -hmm. and um yeah scout andy scouten was supposed to go with us i forget why he flaked on us we had actually a lot of people flake on us but it's amazing how that happens with bakers. Like it's yeah. a, you, you get everybody kind of organized in January, March, yeah. and then slowly throughout the spring, everybody starts flaking off on you. It's great. But I, you know, I had already filed for my PTO at work, so I was like, you know, yeah, I was I was going. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was good. It was cool. Like we built uh, some reasonable, some reasonable ZA50s that did about forty-five at a relatively low RPM, and. Um, Mm-hmm. We just kind of cruised. I remember uh, it's been a while, but uh, the team from, I think it was from Colorado, from Denver, they had won the previous year yeah. and, you know, they were gunning for first and they had this little, like a rigid swinger with little teeny two inch, like smooth tires. And they had this big, huge ferry on it. And all day, like, you know, the three of us would be riding going 45 and then <laughs> those dudes would shoot by us. Or it was only yeah. one of them. They had, you know, three dudes switching off on and off on the bike. They'd shoot by us. Then like two hours later, they'd be on the side of the road, like, you know, rebuilding the transmission, putting a new clutch in. And mm-hmm. we'd just like, you know, ride by no. them, give them a wave. <laughs> and then like, we just kind of would go on this sort of a thing uh, over the course of it. But yeah, I mean, it was good. It was fun. It was 
meditative. Like, I mean, back then, as I do now, it's like monitor, 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 phone, club, email, you know, just like constant yeah. thing in, um, and we didn't have like Bluetooth or stare, like little, you know, like yep. we just, just silence, just you in your own head thinking the whole time, which was pretty mm-hmm. good and meditative. I thought that was my, that was my experience this year. Like it was pretty, cause I didn't have any comms with my chase and I'm cool with that. Like yeah. that's it. It changed me like for the better. I think I, I fucking love it. I'm doing it again next year. And I was going to give like Jordan from Omaha. That was kind of the theme of Baker's this year. Like he would Jordan, we'd all pass him right away. Cause Jordan was geared to the Hills and then Jordan would come flying by us and then Jordan would break down. <laughs> But like the kid yeah. did eighty, like on a, and I think I I still will say, it was a pre, it was a pretty legit eighty because like when he would blast by you like going yeah. fifty five, it was like you were standing still. Yeah, I remember those dudes. I think they had, uh, I think they got up to like seventy six was like the little top GPS and the little tracking yeah. thing. But and weren't they? they were... I'll say this: like the rumor is, they were drafting their own bus. Like that's. Uh, no, they weren't in a bus. They just they had a minivan the okay. year that I was I was out with them. Um, I don't think so. I mean, they were riding on the freeway. Um, yeah, they got pulled over on the freeway. They got pulled over a couple <laughs> times. Um, and cops were just like, "What are you?" We're like, "Yeah, we're like we're sloppy and we're dirty and we're confused." And they're like, "I just don't die, please. Just get out of my town without dying." Um, I've told this story a few times. I don't know if you heard this. Like, we're all leaving out of Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and I was chasing first place uh team urban decay and we're cutting through town and like i had already been to town everybody had been to town once or twice so you kind of got the idea how to get out of town okay and next thing i know like i'm following uh sam next thing i know i see all these cars pulling over and i look behind me oh shit there's a cop i pull over sam fucking takes off this cop's like asking me for all my information. I'm giving it to him. He's like, what the heck? Who was that? I've never seen that person in my life. Next thing I know, Chad Burke goes right by me. <laughs> but, yeah. So, yeah, he was the lesson, please. I'm like, just officer, you'll never see us again. Get yeah. the hell out of here type of deal. That's that's always the, the case. I mean, even on the zombie ride this year, the cops downtown were like, uh, you know, you can't be on these mini bikes. You can't be on the streets. And I was like, no, they're mopeds. You have to like get the little sticker. It's 15 bucks for three years. And she was like, okay, fine. Then where's everyone's stickers? I was like, <laughs> look, I can't be accountable for these. And I'm like wearing zombie makeup and drinking yeah. beers. You know? But I'm like, like, I can't be accountable for these people. I'm just saying that they are technically street legal vehicles from there. We'll, we'll figure out what to do about it. Yeah. Um, and, but I was like, but we're, we're leaving now o'clock. And she's like, so you're just leaving? I'm like, yep, just five, five more miles to our clubhouse and we'll be off the roads. She's like, all right. <laughs> well, that was, that was actually kind of rad that he actually let you go and my luck 90 percent of the time is nope we're giving you every ticket because that cop listed off every ticket he could have gave me and it, oh, man. it was it wasn't good um i think yeah it was oh um so how how was it every night for you like did you have to work on your bikes quite a bit or did you just like how was the pinball for you um we we're just so like there was three of us all mm-hmm. riding relatively tame ZA50s. And anytime we needed something, we'd all pull over together, which I think is really good for, I mean, even on local rides, you know, it's like you yes. pull over every time someone has an issue, that means everybody else bikes cool down and are less likely to have an issue. Right. So, like, I think um, Holly, 
like she just rode her bike the whole way. Like she's a light <laughs> rider and she built a good motor and it just, she didn't do fuck all. She just rode like mm-hmm. built a good motor, rode the whole way. I think the motor is still on a bike that is like riding around town. Like it's just, maybe it's still on her bike and doesn't matter. Like, so either way, like her motor was just good. Went the whole time. No problem. Bob built a relatively tame motor. Um, and same sort of deal. Like he rode the entire way. He actually like five miles out of the finish line, um, put straight gas in his bike, oh. locked it up like there at the end. Like the thing was over, locked his bike up and had to switch his top end, like five miles out of the finish line. Um, but did so. And it was crazy. We're like, we're in new Orleans. It's like a million degrees, but there's a hailstorm, So it's like, yep. Yeah. So we're like going over some kind of bridge into town, just getting pelted with hail. <laughs> oh, like, no. so like, it, was, it felt awesome. You know, like the sun's yeah. out, the hail's out, like something really crazy is going on. Um, so they were pretty much good the whole time. I was using the, the treats, cheap CDIs, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like the $75 party pack and I just kept melting coils. So luckily, like I, we were prepared. Holly and I, like we each built three identical motors. We were like, just going to fucking swap motors and not try to fix shit. So, but I ended up not swapping motors, but just swapping ignition. So I ran through all six of our CDI stator plates. Jesus. Yeah, like every day I'd melt through a stator plate. And it turns out that what had happened was my my box, I don't know, somehow like advanced itself. And it's like a little computer program or whatever mm-hmm. it is. It advanced itself. So it was just overheating my coils. So like, oh, wow. threw, like you know, in retro, I just threw the box away and then <laughs> got a new box and I stopped melting through coils. But like, but yeah, I mean, I I mean, honestly, like that was really the only issue that we had was i just i kept putting new coils on my bike like i mean if we'd have had one more day i didn't have one more motor to take a coil off of oh wow yeah yeah. um but i mean but other than that i mean we just kind of just rode built built good motors didn't ride them too crazy and i mean with the za50 like if you gear it at you know 2135 or 2137 you can do 45 miles per hour i I don't know what the chart is these days but it's it's like 6,000 rpm or something like you're Mm -hmm. just not pushing the bike that hard yeah you're just so sipping we were, yeah so we were just kind of just cruising no that's uh that's a terrifying feeling um thinking you blown up or blowing up your bike a few miles from the finish line i vapor locked at the bottom of mount hood <laughs> yeah ran out of gas didn't know it like and it, i hit the throttle and it felt like everything seemed like a seize to me and i i was ripping off the intake yeah. i was checking reads i was and i just spun the flywheel once i'm like this thing still has compression. I wonder if it'll start. And I put gas in it and got down the road and finished. Um, that's rad. Like, yeah. And I highly encourage you, if you can, do Bakers this year. Uh, hey, it, salt Flats, dude, over the it's mountains. Very cool. I've, I've been there back, back in college. Um, went there. I haven't been to the Salt Flats since I was a kid, but, like, I can't wait. Can't wait. Um, that is cool. That's exciting. Cool. Uh, you have, and like I tell people, you haven't lived until you make a moped go 30 miles an hour at 9,000 feet. Cause that's what we're going to have to do again. I think. Um, so you're the, well, you're the owner of Mo, uh, Detroit moped works. Yep. How did that evolution in your moped life happen? Like, um, it sounds like that's your full-time job. Now you said you had a corporate job and doing this. Like I respect and have a lot of admiration for anybody who can own a moped shop or any shop that works on moped and make a living. How did that even come about for you guys in Detroit? 
so basically like we got we had the old nasty which was like a building right so this like mm-hmm. i'm a i don't know a hustler a dummy or i don't know what the term is right <laughs> but like so i had this building which then meant that i could get as many mopeds as i wanted to right i have all this <laughs> space and like no one's going to tell me not to fill my fucking building full of mopeds right so like so i can now get all the mopeds that i want to get so i'm doing this and i'm constantly placing treats orders um and so i'm like well this is silly i should get a dealer account right yeah i didn't have a shop but i'm like i had this at a physical space yep. and um and ben cranky at the time um he like he was on like 77's race team so he had a dealer account there and so what he would do is he would buy stuff at his dealer cost for the club and we'd all get the discount. So I was like, I'm going to do this with Treatland, right? This, mm-hmm. is, this is what I have in my mind to do. So I get this dealer account and I'm not charging any profit at all. I'm just, I just get this account and I feel like if I'm getting more things for the club and I'm selling them to the club at cost, at least like I'm placing a good number of orders that Treats is going to be happy with me and they're going to want to let me, you know, be a dealer. Of course, I had to show that I had the building and kind of like, speak mm-hmm. as if I was running a little shop in there. But I mean, in reality, I was just getting the club um, and myself some stuff at a discounted rate. So that I'm was sure kind of... you guys weren't the first club to do that either. <laughs> so so that was the that was the deal. That was the plan. Um, so I started doing that. And then um, so I was kind of doing that. My buddy, Ted Slowinski, who was it was an MCR, was a founding member. Um, he was kind of fixing mopeds for money on the side um out of omnicore out of the the workspace that um the club had previously used that he was a member of and then people would come to me from getting parts and see all my bikes and say well can you sell me a bike can you sell my friend a bike right mm-hmm. i didn't um i was working 60 hours a week at some corporate gig to get the money to pay for all this shit so like <laughs> i wasn't doing it plus i wasn't that good of a mechanic back then so i was like ted i have an idea i have this dealer account in these bikes um you want to fix them up we can sell them and we'll split the profits 50 50. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Good idea. And then from there, it was like, I was starting to like accumulate a stash of parts. And then I was selling them for like, you know, a meager profit. And I'm like, well, Ted, how about this? When I sell parts, I'll give you 20% of my profit. And then when you do repairs, you give me 20%. So it's like, cool, we're 50, 50 on bikes that we do. Yep. I give him 20% of this. He gives me 20% of that. Right. So now we have a little business, right? And that's, that's cute. So then we make like a Facebook page for it. Facebook page means all of a sudden we're getting a ton of attention. So at this point in time, now it's like meet every day after like, and I'm like at my office job on the phone, you know, sending little emails and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And every day it's like, okay, meet me at Omnicore, meet me at the old nasty yacht club, meet me at my garage. Right. And that became just like terrible and obnoxious. Mm-hmm. So at that point it was like, well, all right, I need to buy a space for this. We also like, it was also rude to the people at the maker space, rude to the club to have people stopping by. Right. So that's yeah. not like really cool. So, so I buy this building that we're currently sitting in right now. And um, so I just like buy it. It's the closest building that I, to my house that I can afford to buy in cash. So I just like <laughs> buy this building, right? That's cool. So we have it. And uh, it was like a diabetes office, something like that as a doctor's office. So we take and we rip out all the walls one weekend. I used to do demolition, right? So in my, in my uh, skill set, so yeah. rip out all the walls, rip out the carpet, fuck it cool we got a big open space now we move all the stuff in that weekend and now ted's here and ted was the head bicycle mechanic for shinola but he was doing too much work so he quit to be here full-time but not like not like with hours you know what i'm saying he was mm-hmm. like doing it full-time in this space but it was still like appointment only kind of a thing um but at that point now we have a space so now we have like a google like location thing yep i buy out 
you know, cheap cell phone that we leave on the counter here. So now we have a phone. So now we have a phone, we have a space, you know, uh, I think we've like made a website, you know, like the easiest like homemade, yeah. um, you know, WordPress website. So it's like, okay, now we kind of exist, right? So now we start getting attention. We start getting like international press starts coming here because at the time, I think we don't get press anymore. I think it's like either we've revealed that we're not cool or we're like, we're no longer like so small and niche that we don't get the attention. I don't know. We used to get a lot mm -hmm. more attention. But <laughs> so we're getting all this attention and then it becomes a thing where, you know, he's here full time. I'm here every day after work. We had like Andy Scouten doing a little bit of part-time work. Other club people come in to do a little bit of part-time work here or there. And it just like, it just became kind of too much at that point in time. So like, I really had to decide if I was going to like try to make this a thing or just give up because it was too much to work a full another job. Yeah. You're, you're at the breaking point. Either you go yeah. all the way in or you just pull, pull out. Yeah. yeah. So I decided to do that at the time. Ted gets an opportunity to open up Metropolis bicycles down the road. Okay. Um, it's just a bicycle shop down the street. Um, a buddy of his like had some seed money and they got a good lease opportunity. So he went and opened that, which I think was good. It was sad. You know, he was like my partner. We opened the shop together. We're bros. Mm -hmm. We you know, did the thing together. But um, ultimately, I was spending all this money and I didn't feel ever like I could tell him what to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're partners, right? But like I was the money partner. He was the work partner. So I didn't, I didn't ever feel like I could be like, do this better, work harder, longer. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, right. Like that felt inappropriate to me, even though like it had to happen. So when he left, you know, I know what blessing and curse, I guess, is that I then quit my office job, came here full time, had to like just hire staff, hire staff, right? Like that mm -hmm. weren't partners, even though it's all kind of, um, you know, kind of like a, <laughs> like a co-op or something like that around yeah. here. But, but um, you know, it changed the dynamic, which I think was, was for the best. And actually, um, you know, Ted still builds mopeds. I think actually last winter he built a bike for the shop here and, uh, and he builds personal bikes and, Mm -hmm. Brad Potts from the club is, is his head mechanic down there um, at the bicycle shop, right? So we're still all, all in yeah. codes, um, with That's each other. That's good, and that makes me happy to hear because, like, anytime friends are business partners, I always get sketched out because usually, and you've probably known enough being around your life, like, when those relationships end, usually the friendship dissolves. So that makes me happy you guys are all still no, kind of together. It's good and actually like this whole e-bike thing really um he's smart ted's really smart and really good mm -hmm. at fabricating stuff um i think he has like a double major from rit at like jewelry design and math i think oh, right so he's like all different kinds of like fabricator he's had like big high profile fabricator jobs so he's got a lot of skill sets um down there and so like for him and they're mostly a repair shop a lot of bicycle shops i think are mostly trying to flip bikes like mm -hmm. they fix stuff you know so for them, fixing e-bikes is natural. Ted understands electronics. Ted's like understands how to do stuff and make stuff and wire stuff. And like, um, so it's good for us because I mean, to be frank, like we're busy with mopeds, like we're selling e-bikes and like, they're awesome. I love them and they're the future, but like, I don't have the time or space or knowledge to like learn e-bikes really for that matter. And also mm -hmm. they're all bicycle parts. I mean, even the ones that look like mopeds are like moped looking bicycle parts so like, i don't even have access to that stuff really so it works out well um i can sell e-bikes and he can service them and he builds he does a lot of wheel work he builds custom wheels mm -hmm. um down there so he can if anybody needs to send moped wheels look up metropolis bicycles and yeah, he can rebuild moped wheels down there for you uh cut custom spokes and whatever um, nice but so that that works out well and 
when I do need bicycle stuff, he sells it to me basically at cost and he needs moped stuff, vice versa. And we uh, kind of work together on, so he actually just did the bike racks in front of the shop here for us. So we're still, we're still uh, in, in cahoots over here as this kind of becomes the future. Um, yeah, dude. The electric stuff. That's awesome. Um, I know talking with some people like how that's awesome. You guys survived COVID like any small business that was able to get through COVID is fucking thumbs up and rad. Um, how was your moped existence, shop existence, all that during the dark times? Um, I mean, I think this is like a secret, not secret is that like COVID was kind of awesome for small businesses. Because it's like, I mean, A, you got like your PPP money. B, every fucking person was getting 600 bucks a month they could spend on stupid shit they didn't need. For example, you know, old mopeds, right? Yep. It also like forced you to, uh, everybody was forced to kind of like slim down and reevaluate their business. Mm-hmm. Like everybody that had a small business, it was like, okay, well, we used to try to offer every single service to try to be comprehensive in a big business, but you end up half the work you do is just at a loss or at a wash. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and you end up offering a bunch of stuff so that you can be comprehensive that just loses you money. That's not really good for you. Um, you know, so we're able to strip down a lot of the stuff that we did and kind of step back and reevaluate. It gave us some time. Um, we increased prices a little bit, um, which was good. I still, we're still undercharging. Um, but like, it put us in a better position. I will say that I didn't calculate it right. I mean, how could you calculate it right? That, um, you know, right in the beginning of pandemic, I laid everybody off and I sold as much stuff as I could because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm looking at, listen to NPR and they're like, everybody in Italy just died. You know, everybody yeah, yeah. in Ireland's dying, you know, like the world's coming to an end. So in my mind, the last thing that people are going to want to buy is dumb toy motorcycles, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, if, like this, why, like, you know, if half your family's died, why are you going to go out and buy a piece of shit toy motorcycle that you can not really barely ride? Right. So because you don't have family members to fucking no. harass you about mopeds. I mean, no, that, turn, no, I, that, I agree with you hundred yeah. percent. Um, so, so I guess I did kind of totally miscalculate that in the beginning of it, but I, that also left me with like limited staff and limited inventory where I could, you know, evaluate and kind of rebuild a little more thoughtfully because nothing was really thought. I mean, nothing's really ever been thoughtful. It was like, Oh, you want mopeds? Great, we got them. Oh, we just sold you a moped and told you to buy a helmet. Now you said sell us a helmet. Now we sell helmets, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, you saw an article about us in fucking Sweden. Now you want to buy a t-shirt. Now we sell t-shirts online. Like I've never, there's no plan ever, right? It's just like <laughs> respond, 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 right? So that um, so COVID gave us a chance to to kind of reset in that regard. Um, you know, again, I pr- I could have. I could have done a lot better had I known, but I mean, how would you know? Right. Dude, it was all a crapshoot. Oh. It's like everybody did the best they could with the, inf- and like nobody knew, nobody knew it was going to be, it came out like it did. Like, and, and you think like at the time we couldn't buy e-bikes, like you couldn't buy scooters. I mean, the supply chain is still all goofy, mm-hmm. but like, it's like, think about it. You have a whole country full of people who can't, you can't go to the movies. You can't buy a plane ticket. You can't go out to dinner, but you have 600 bucks a week. Like you want toys well, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. like, you can't buy a bicycle. You can't buy an e-bike. You can't buy a scooter. You can't fucking buy a kayak. Can't buy a car, right? Like, yeah. it's like you couldn't buy anything. So people were like, "Well, I want, I want old mopeds," you know. So, um, 
again, I did not set myself up right for that. Like I, I liquidated all my stuff cheap and liquidated my staff thinking like, yeah. this is the end of days when in fact yeah, I should have yeah. like doubled down on staff and doubled down <laughs> on inventory. And like, you know, before everything disappeared, I should have bought everything I could from, you know, from all the suppliers instead I'm dumping it all. So that was a miscalculation, I guess, but I, whatever, right. We're, we're here now. Yeah. Um, we got through it. We learned some stuff. We restructured a bit. Um, kind kind of a drag to lose some of the old staff but new staff is good and we're you know re resetting things around here so yeah yeah um so let me ask you this uh it seems like the last half of the summer at least for me like moped the moped scene came back because i mean everybody was still kind of gun shy in the spring we didn't really know how things were going to shake out and kind of the world it seemed like this summer the kind of world returned back to normal um what what was it like or what are your plans kind of for 2023? I'm already talking about that. Like um, as a shop and as you, as a person in, a, in the moped scene, cause I mean, it's obvious you still love the scene. It's obvious you still have a passion for all this. Cause you see some people like they have a moped shop and then they kind of, you know, start doing other stuff because maybe they didn't like it as much, or maybe they just get burnt out. I mean, that happens to everybody. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think a thing that I haven't, I mean, not a thing. I know a thing that I haven't figured out yet is like growth. You know, it's like, I know that I need to sell e-bikes to stay in business, right? It's the trend. It's also a good money maker. It's also, I, I think they're good vehicles. I think they're smart. I think they make a lot of sense. But right now I look down there and like, there's a, fuck, I'm looking at $50,000 worth of e-bikes just seemed out. And like, I don't, I'm not a $50,000. Like this, like, it's not. <laughs> You know, so that's like a really big deal. I'm like, you know, I've got fifteen thousand dollars worth of scooters down there. Like, I'm yeah. not a fifteen thousand dollar, right? It's like this is like this is a big deal. And the same thing with with everything you do. And like, and it's crazy to run a retail business because I've never worked retail before. Uh-huh. Is like every new thing you you sell, like a like a built well helmet, right? It's we we've cycled through those, but like a built well helmet, yeah. right? On average, you pay like about a hundred bucks and sell them for about one hundred seventy five. So it seems like cool like that's great money seems like it makes a ton of sense but if you think about it like in order for me to look like a legitimate built well dealer i have to have you know i have this little matrix there it's like five Mm -hmm. of each size um five of each color right whatever so i've got 25 on the shelves plus another like 15 out so i'm 40 helmets into it that's four thousand dollars like if i'm making 75 dollars a piece on them i've got to sell whatever that comes out to you know 50 some helmets just to break even on the display before I get to start making money, you know, yeah. and like you get the scooters there. Right. And like the Sims are great scooters, but I, I pay like $2,000 to sell them for like $2,800. Right. So like 800 bucks seems great, but like yeah. to look legit, I have to have about six of them out there, you know, six of them. That's $12,000. Yeah. If I'm making like 800 bucks a piece. That means I need to sell 15 of them just to break even just mm-hmm. so I can look like a scooter dealer. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like the constant, thing is it's like what i need to do anyways long story short i need to figure out a way to stop adding new stuff to the inventory <laughs> so i can have some of this money because it's like i'm i'm earning inventory it's not like yep. we're not making money here but it all it all goes into inventory you're and, reinvesting you know, back into your yeah. company and that's yeah. that's super and i have all the respect for anybody in motorsports or anything like that like i 
I grew up in a family with a small business. I understand. I was, I had the bedroom upstairs next to mom and dad's like talking about the checkbook. I get it, dude. Like I have all the respect in the world for everybody who's like, especially mopeds. Cause it's, we're such a weird niche, small, big little community. It's yeah. That's why like, especially you guys in Detroit, like holding it down the way you do, like, for me, me, you guys, and like Magic Touch, you guys are making the most noise in mopeds right now. And I really think Detroit Moped Works is because you are so diversified. You're selling mopeds. You're selling scoot, the e-bikes and all that. That's fucking rad as hell, dude. Yeah, no, it's good. And it's like, you know, it, you can only have so many years of like each time. I want to buy a moped. Uh, okay, we sell mopeds. What kind? 50cc. I think you mean scooter. No, we don't do that. I don't understand. You say moped works, you know? So like, finally, like, fuck it. You know, like we're already, I'm already paying somebody to like talk on the phone to direct them to a different store. Might as well sell them, you know? Mm-hmm. And then like the e-bikes I think are great and cool. I mean, they're pricey for what they are. Cause it's new technology. Like, you know, electric cars pricey for what it is. Cause new technology, every, mm-hmm. everything is everything when it's new is pricey for what it is. Um, but I think it's the future. I think they're awesome. And so, we got to do that. And I mean, for the mopeds, I'm too nice. The goal is to just like do tune-ups, add some parts, like, you know, like install some tires, go home, install some cables, go home, you know, and then like sell parts to the moped community, put out some, you know, interesting, informative content on YouTube or Instagram and kind of keep the mopeds to like facilitating the hobby mm-hmm. more than like being a moped shop. Um, just cause if we're if we just be a moped shop, we won't be here to facilitate the hobby. That's yeah. just the reality of it, right? So, like the idea is that we can do some of this other stuff to make money, do some straightforward, easy, like kind of repairs, not get tied up in bailing people out of like failed repairs and failed projects. And like, because you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of mopeds that you know you can spend an entire summer on, and it's like we're good, but like we're not that good, right? Yeah. Like, you know, if it takes you a whole summer. If it takes us 40 hours, like I can't charge you 90 bucks an hour for 40 hours. It's like, that's a ridiculous idea, right? Like, it's, And that's the problem with it. It's still it's labor. Impossible. Like it doesn't matter if you're working on a Ferrari or a Pook. You still have to pay a qualified technician yeah. to work on either or. And like, it's hard for some people to get their head around. Well, I only paid $300 for yeah. this moped. Did you want to charge me $500 in labor? Yeah, but you brought in a pile of trash and yeah. now it runs. Like that's... Yeah. And it's... You know, and it, you, I don't know here, like moped people hate flippers because like, because they're flippers. I hate them because like, they don't have, they don't pay taxes. They don't pay staff. They don't pay lighting bills. You know, so it's like, like when a flipper sells something for like the same amount of money that I do, they just make a bunch of money. I just like pay a bunch of bills. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so like, and so generally that, the flippers aren't doing a good job, as good a job on a bike that you guys do. I'll say that straight up. No, no, they, uh, you know, and you don't have to say anything, Alex. I have to be on good terms with everybody around here. A businessman that has to like keep peace with everything. And dude, I'm a guy in a basement that'll talk shit, like whatever. Like, there's a time and a place for a flipper. I get it. But like, I'll tell you this I'll sell bikes down again. I might make a hundred dollars because I believe, I believe in the Andy theory. I don't sell mopeds for profits. Like, and when I say I make a hundred bucks, I really don't make that. I had to go pick the damn thing up. I had to recable it. I had to reline it. Like 
Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, that's a funny, funny thing about it is like, you know, at, as a shop, it's like you kind of sometimes you become a hero of the moped community, but a lot of times you become a villain. You know, it's like like oh, you're charging money for something. You know, like you're supposed to fix the moped and sell it at a loss, right? Yeah, like yeah. everybody does. Um, but like I remember talking to Trick Metric. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was actually at a building gather one of the years, and they were like, uh, like oh, it's so frustrating dealing with moped people. I'm like, and at the time, my mindset was like, yeah, that's why I'm selling mopeds to new people who aren't moped people. <laughs> like right like i my job is not to sell mopeds to moped people my job is to sell mopeds to somebody new who needs their first moped and wants it to be reliable and and run and whatnot now again uh covid did give me some time to sit back and reflect and decide that maybe best that i get those people e-bikes and scooters and that i do facilitate the moped community with parts and videos and uh you know that that sort of a angle on it i guess yeah um, dude and you're a smart guy and I know you'll make your business model work no matter what. Um, and like, that's, that's also some of my frustration. I, I helped somebody out. Like they had an issue with a bike and like, they wanted to pay me for my time. And I, yeah. I gave them a very, like very, 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 very cheap rate. And they're like, okay, sweet. Great. And then, okay. Awesome. And I told some people around here, they're like, <laughs> I'm I'm trying not to get myself in trouble or this person they don't listen to the show they're like if you're in the vintage moped community you should be you should work on your own bike or you shouldn't be in the vintage moped community and I think that's false like cuz like there's a lot of people in the vintage car community that don't work on their cars but they're allowed to be in there why are we such I don't get that like that I don't understand I think I mean I think that the entire incentive of that is that like the moment that it becomes accessible, I mean, that's, I will say that something that the, the shop did inadvertently, I don't think we did it like a villain in any sort of a way, but it's like, it used to be moped is broken. You have to sell it for a hundred bucks. That's it. Like you sell your moped for a hundred bucks because you can't get it fixed. Well, now all of a sudden, like you can come here and you can pay to get it fixed. Not only like, can you then make it worth more money and increase the price of it? But then that also means that if you sell it to a person, you're not you don't have to sell it to some moped person who is going to be, you know, who will only pay you a hundred bucks or to a person who's helpless. Like the helpless person can come here to get the bike fixed. Right. Mm-hmm. So like now all of a sudden a person who would just not be a contender for a bike might give you three or 500 bucks for a non-running bike because they can then bring it here and turn it into a running bike. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of like a, a side effect of the shop. Um, and I think that the entire incentive of the moped community to think that is because like if there's a if there's an option for getting a moped fixed then all of a sudden a bunch of hundred dollar mopeds become 300 and 500 dollar mopeds and they get taken off the market and like you know i that is my one like pro pro thing about flippers i guess thing that i'm like okay with them about is that like when a flipper takes a bike and does a reasonable amount of like work to it and makes it like reasonable enough to go down the street maybe at any price, I feel like they're often overvaluing it, but mm-hmm. that bike then goes to somebody. And like, if a person pays them a thousand dollars or $2,000 for a bike, they really want that bike and they're going to have a budget to get it fixed and they're going to ride it and they're going to use it. And it's not just going to go sit in some moped person's basement or dungeon or garage. <laughs> hey, or like, hey, like, hey, yeah, there's but, two down here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just two, fucking right? with um, the Alex. No, I but know. Like, but you know, like 
I mean, you've seen like mobile people like just throwing away frames, right? Like mm-hmm. that frame could have had a bike on it, but it's like that was a hundred dollar parts bike. Fuck it, throw the frame away. You know, like oh, these cases, fuck them, throw them away, right? And so like when they become worse, so like they, if they become worth something, they stay on the road. They go into the hands of people who are gonna treat it like a thing they paid two thousand dollars for, not mm-hmm. not like a thing that they paid a hundred dollars for, right? And so like if the goal is to keep mopeds, like keep the vehicles, the piece of history, whatever on the road, they have to have value. If the value isn't there, then there's no reason to renovate them. There's no reason to take it out of your basement. There's no like, you know, so good and bad about that is like, I mean, fuck for that matter too, like moped people, they want, they want, they need Treatland to be developing parts, right? Mm -hmm. Treatland can only develop parts if they can charge for the parts. Treeline can only charge for the parts if the mopeds have value, you know. So it's like you might be a moped person being like, "Well, I don't want to, I don't want values to go up in price." Well, you know how you just bought like, you could just go on Treeline and be like, "Well, I bought a V1L from Europe, and I want to see if I want to put a, you know, PHBG 21 or a Makuni 24 or a 15 Sha on it." Cool, I'll just buy a plug-and-play intake, right? Yeah. And like, you can only do that because Treats can afford to make that. Treats can only afford to make that because people spend money on mopeds because they have a value. Right. So it's like, and like everybody's all jazzed up about the Hobbit wheels. And I will, I will say this right now. Nobody at Treatland told me any prices of what it was for casting. I know this through my own life experience. That shit ain't cheap. It's it ain't cheap. Like, do you, if you understood how much foundry work, like though it's so expensive. So like, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah. yeah, like we wouldn't, you know, like we can't have cool stuff if it's not worth anything. Mm-hmm. It's just like the thing, you know. And um, and I who? Love... Why wouldn't you want? I that's one thing I don't get. Like, what's have the community grow? I mean, it's never gonna be super popular, but like, it's okay to have shops work on stuff. And like, I hang out with scooter people every once in a while. They're okay people. Yeah, they like to. They don't like it with a promo pipe. And they like to stay single file and I'm a little rowdy for them, but like, dude, scooter people around Minneapolis. All right. I don't get this huge divide in my cities, but you know, whatever. Yeah. I think our scooter duders are all wheelie fucking people. We got a lot of wheelie people around here. That's one. Yeah. Yeah. That's always gnarly when you see 12 o'clock boys just roll by like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Yeah. All day long, every day we get like these kids in the neighborhood, like on fucking quads, like, just going 50 miles per hour and wheelie on quads. I'm like, dude, you're 12. You're not wearing a helmet, you know? And like, that's a pro and con for us. On one hand, like for every cop that's decided like, well, if I'm going to let that go, mopeds and 50 mile per hour onyxes and whatever, like are no issue. There's also some other cop that like, is like, I'm sick of all this nonsense up and down the street, making all this noise, breaking the law. Like you're lumped in with them too. Right. Yeah. Pros and cons of that sort of a thing. Um, yeah, dude. So 2023, are we going to see you hitting any rallies this coming year? Are you going to do anything big? Or are you going to try to hit land squids? Or are you going to just stay in? Like, do you got any plans yet? I, I mean, I just being realistic, like when summer's here, I need to, uh, I need to be here. You okay. know, I'll, I do my best to like let any of my staff go to rallies whenever they want to, but like, you know, they, they get to go to the rallies. I got to, I got to stay here and try to keep the lights on or whatever. Um, but I do like at the end of this season, I facilitated, um, like facilitated like a big, like a uh, electric and moped ride 
to downriver Detroit area, like a suburb south mm-hmm. of here. And like, like I hosted out of the shop, which we didn't, when the moped community was going, we didn't post shit, you know, it was like club. That's the club thing, but mm-hmm. the club's kind of still getting going back slowly again. So like, you know, we did that. Uh, we hosted the cider mill ride, which was a old MCR tradition. Yeah, have, dude, that looked you know, cool. So I saw so many pics yeah. from that. I wanted to go so bad. So we had, you know, over, over 50 people on that, um, the zombie ride, like the club hosted it, but I kind of instigated it. Um, <laughs> I mean, they, they hosted, it. I'm not like taking any credit, but it did take a little like nudging. This is like our first, you know, time, time back out there. Right. So like, I'm hoping to like, throw a lot more events at least, yeah. you know, it's a little bit selfish to, uh, like, no, I'm throwing the party. You come to my house. I'm not going to your house, but that, that's, what's in my capacity is to, uh, to host. So I'm hoping to host, um, host a lot more stuff I, I tried to make it building together this year um it's like i went to the first well my first three years of mopeds i went to building gather every year so like to me yep. that's like that's an essential you know because yep. I'm, I'm stuck in my antiquated mindset and like to me that's like that's what i need to do you know so I, like i know i'll be building gather this coming year i think chad and i are gonna we talked about doing some type of preview show just because like i've never been and like i don't think I don't know how people, how many people from Minnesota has ever been there, but like, I'm all about the next adventure. Like, yeah, yeah dude. And I got to deliver a bike. I, so, there's a bike delivery happening and I got, I buying some wheels, blah, blah, blah. But like, yeah, dude, I'm excited to just hang out and see a bunch of people and see Chad's new shop. Like, yeah, I haven't, I saw, um, I think Bob from our club was out there. The zeros were all out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool. That's exciting. It's, that's the thing um, <laughs> internet here. but like when i used to go to chad burke's place i was like holy shit this is the coolest thing in the world this is what i want i need this i want this this is great now i go there and i'm like oh my god i hope like i don't ever get like this no no offense chad but like there's, there's a lot he's got a lot a lot yeah. of stuff like it it's probably the only person that makes me feel like i have a reasonable amount of stuff uh in our facilities here yeah, uh, I, I got Chad upset with me like the first time I met him because he was buying a bike from Dose. I'm like, yeah, you need another bike, Chad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But no, Chad, I am so glad he's like got, he's had a bunch of health issues. Like yeah. I'm glad he's getting those at least knowing of versus like, yeah, I, whatever. Um, no, it'd be rad to see a build and gather. It's glad you're kind of trying to beat that drum to get stuff going around Detroit. Like, yeah, so I'm, I mean, ideally the, club will uh you know we'll throw some more big events i think we're shooting for a rally next year um okay. back in the city to show off the new clubhouse um or so do be- a fourth of july rally dude i'd love to fucking come out to detroit fourth of july because yeah i'm just throwing that out there like i want to go somewhere fourth of july because if bakers is done in the middle of june like i'll probably ride a moped again after that yeah i'll uh i think like i said I think next meeting is when we pick the rally date yeah so i'll I'll pitch that one for them. Um, yeah. I think we'll also do like, well, you know, I'll definitely be at the zeros winter thing um, mm-hmm. again this year. I'll definitely go to that. And uh, what else? I, I think- will say this, that couch that Mars and I bought them is so goddamn comfortable. Like I'm, a, <laughs> I stopped there uh, for a couple hours uh, before the Cleveland rally and took a little cat nap it, yeah. God, I did not realize how comfortable that couch was. I kind of want to take it back. <laughs> yeah, I, I love a good couch nap. Uh, yeah, yeah. The futon <laughs> here at the shop has uh, crumbled over the years. I like, like really want to get a good uh, couch for the shop. Just here, but... go to, actually, like Mars and I found, it was 
I think Mars paid for it, but I transferred it. It was like $12 at the St. Vincent de Paul thrift so store in Toledo. Huh. Good. Yeah. That's a good, good value. Yeah, it was like, um, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think we'll do, um, we usually do like, there's a big St. Patrick's day parade in Detroit, which is actually on Michigan Avenue, the road that we're on here. Mm-hmm. And, um, so club traditionally, that's like our first, like co- coming out party for the year. It's like, you know, pre St. Patrick's day, right? So it's cold. I think last year zeros came up for it. And like, we were just right in the snow, like just in the snow, it was snow. Yeah. I was going to say, it's still um, cold then. Like yeah, yeah. they, they we, usually have like a huge St. Paul, a St. Yeah. Patrick's day parade here. And like, I've never been. You want to know why? It's goddamn cold. I'm not standing out in the cold. I don't drink. I'm not standing out in the goddamn cold to freaking watch. Yeah. No, not doing it. <laughs> we had some years where we, I mean, it was cold, but it was like, we're wearing shorts. I mean, yeah. cold shorts, but still like doable if you, uh, you know, had well, had a drink or three and a little confidence, right? Yeah. Well, like I tell people from like the South and mopeds, like coming out of the season, like if it's like 50 to like 55 degrees, I'm not riding a moped coming into the season in the springtime it's 43 i'm fucking on a bike and a t-shirt dude like i'm sick of it like it's just that winter conditioning dude yeah yeah. i Um, go every year i go straight from shorts to like the double layer pants you have a carhartt (laughs) account here and so like just get the carhartt double layer pants and and i'm in because i mean we have to like you know i i have to probably the reason i don't do mopeds very often like socially is just that like i have to ride every single bike that goes out of the shop like the mm-hmm. mechanic fixes the, finishes it like i ride it during diagnosis then i ride it like over the course of the repairs then they're like it's done then i ride it five miles and i'm like yep broke something else or it's quite done try again then i ride it again so it's like you know i think yesterday was i don't know high and high of like 38 or some nonsense mm-hmm. and i rode probably like six or seven five mile testing trips you know like Jesus. that's like so- like I, what I'm hearing, Alex, is riding. you show up to a rally, you're permanent chase driver. You don't need to ride mopeds. I'm, I'm a, I mean, swap at the shop was not a, a rally per se, but like you'll notice that I showed up there quite, quite late just for the social aspect. Um, yeah, that, that'll be kind of my, my <laughs> mo. Uh, you know, just I don't need to ride a moped after I've been riding a moped all day. Um, yeah, yeah. But no, but it's it's good fun. Yeah, dude, I, I I hear you on that 100%. I can't thank you enough for coming on Second Chance Bullpen Podcast as we wrap this up. I can't thank everybody enough, again, for listening. Like, I'm I'm having those Facebook memories pop up. The show's going on three years old. I don't know how the hell that happened. Um, if you can do me a favor, whenever you see, wherever you listen to this, give me a five-star review or whatever, like it. Um, that always makes me feel warm on the inside in the cold winters of Minnesota. Um Alex, I hope you make Chad Burke's building gather. Um, First first and foremost, uh, do you want to tell everybody your guys' – where can we get a hold of Detroit Moped Works? Just tell us all your stuff. Very, very straightforward. It's, uh, you know, facebook.com backslash Detroit Moped Works, just the whole thing. I believe it's Instagram, uh, you know, .com backslash Detroit Moped Works, just the entire Detroit Moped Works. The website, DetroitMopedWorks.com. YouTube channel, I believe it's YouTube backslash Detroit Moped Works. Um, I don't know. I think our Twitter and our Pinterest or something like that have got different ones, but whatever's on there is just a uh, just some kind of a bot reposting our stuff from the other social media. So if you use the other stuff, you'll be, you'll be able to find us just fine. Um, but yeah, definitely like I'm trying to make make myself an influencer these days. So we're posting reels near near every day. I try to have some 
some good interesting content a good mix of like moped specific relevant interesting stuff and uh sales stuff so that the shop keeps keeps being a shop but i try to mix it up and do do pretty all right i feel like i'm getting pretty good at my influencer biz here um and that'll be the main main thing that we do youtube channel doesn't get enough enough work uh put into it just uh, i'm not a filmer maybe if maybe after i'm such a good influencer i'll get there but uh you know just figuring that out facebook's great except because obviously you have to go on facebook for the marketplace you have to go on for the lovers of poop mopeds you have to go on mm -hmm. for the southeast michigan moped community like you have to go on there for your moped list buy sell but like as a shop doesn't matter if you follow me unless i pay them you don't get to see my stuff yeah right? like, that's what that's what i noticed it too. doesn't it doesn't show up right so like um i think if you like like follow subscribe and interact you might get some of our stuff on facebook but mostly it's just uh instagrams where you'll find the most of it um we also have an ebay store it's just also ebay.com backslash detroit moped works um oh what you should do is try to find i don't i don't have the exit to it right now but we have a mailchimp and apparently as a business you are supposed to send marketing emails all the time um for me all the time will be i've only done it like twice a year traditionally so maybe if i do five times a year we'll be you know really hitting it but that'll <laughs> yeah, yeah. be a place where i'm going to try to like put out some like exclusive coupons not just the regular sales that i post on the social media and the uh moped army but like actually have some like exclusive to our people that are subscribed things so if you can uh Hopefully there's a sign up on our website and our social media but check check that out that's a new thing um but mostly just the instagram i think is where you'll find me uh, yeah that seems to be the most user-friendly uh form of media right now is instagram before they'll don't worry they'll screw it up and they'll make everybody pay for everything and you'll never see it so we'll revert back to moped army or some crap like that like and i still love moped army it's still a great source for just everything mopeds but yeah even all the all the little groups all that stuff yeah oh man the the worst i think is that this morning i looked at resto cycles on instagram you mm -hmm. that guy he's like making some shiny bikes and uh i mean i don't know the guy like he looks like he's doing nice work and everything like that but i noticed the little tiktok thing i looked in the corner he has like millions of views on tiktok right and like and i i mean good for him i hate that though because I was so content to accept like, you know, um, Jason with the other moped podcast, like mm -hmm. looked like his TikTok didn't really take off and he's got a good podcast. And, yep. um, you know, Pete at second stroke, it looked like his TikTok didn't really take off and he's got a great YouTube. Right. So like in my mind, mopeds were not for TikTok. I didn't have to worry about it. There was no reason <laughs> for me to TikTok. And now after seeing, um, this dude do so well on it, I'm like, do I need to TikTok now? Uh, either way, it doesn't exist yet, but maybe watch our Instagram and maybe I'll tell you that I that I signed up for TikTok or something. I don't know. There you go. I think like that's just I just won't go there. Like I I I refused to get on Facebook for a long time because like I had gone through the other stuff. Like I was gonna plant my flag in MySpace and like obviously mm. that didn't go over well. Yeah. Um I won't I don't do Twitter because I don't, why? I don't know how to, I don't know how yeah. to Twitter. Yeah, I don't I don't I think I haven't checked that thing in years. Uh, I think I did one like 2010 and that was it. Um, I, I I'm staying off of TikTok, dude. It's not that I, it's not that I have anything against it. It's just like, I have enough shit to keep track of and like, God bless anybody who can get that going, get millions of views and like make mopeds more accessible make people like yeah. all coverage is awesome. And dude, like good for 
Andrew Martin, like he does a really good job with stock bikes. Like, you know, he did, he did my show once he did Jason's show, like 40 mile an hour is blasting to him. And that's awesome, dude. Like that's a, that's actually a thing that we, so like in my mind, you go through the, the progression. It's like, I've, I've gone through this definitely not only cause I own a shop, but it's like, for me, like you build a bike that goes, or you ride a bike that goes 25. Great. I want to go 30, go 30. Great. I want to go 35, 35. Great. I want to go 40. Right. And then you get to like 50 and you're like, okay, this is actually really stupid. Now I'm going to spend all this money on hydraulic forks, disc brakes, fucking, you know, new bearings proper, make everything safe. Okay. Well now your bike's safe. Okay. Well, that's boring again. Now, now I want to go 50 or 55. Now I want to go 60. Now you're like spending all this money to make your yeah. like toy motorcycle super dangerous. And all of a sudden, like, it's like you peak, then you go, you know, I just want to go about 40. That's it. And so, uh, yeah. I'm a bit over 40. Ted, my old partner here's just turning 40. So he's like, we should all get tattoos that say about 40. Dude, like, I, I don't hate that at all. Like, no. I'm still, I have my like 45 mile an hour Hobbit. And then I got like my fast Hobbit. Like, and I like both for both reasons still. Like, and you've been yeah. in this way longer than me. Like, I'm still a wrestling dork. And that Dusty Rhodes line, Edge of the Lightning Bolt, baby. Like, there's still something to be said about taking these tiny toy motorcycles and rolling at 60 mile an hour on them. Like, dude, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely something, but you know, for me, I, I mean, a lot of it had to be do with like when we were selling a lot of mopeds, I'm warrantying them, right? Like, yeah. Oh, you don't want to sell, you don't want to sell a 60 mile an hour bike. It's a dumb no. idea. Warranting something that's like a ticking time bomb is just a yeah. terrible, terrible idea. You know, and like besides the financial thing, like you want the people to just be able to ride and have fun, and like that takes yeah. it away from it. Also, like, um, danger, right? There's also that yeah. aspect of it. I mean, but then the other thing too is like, in the culture, like we drink and ride too much. That's just what people do. It's like, it's yeah, exactly. A, like, I don't know why I used to think it was like totally okay. Now I think it's a totally bad look, but like, <laughs> still is, still is part of it, right? And so, like, it's all two wheel culture, though, dude. Like, if you're it's... doing that, I think that you're much better off to be going, you know a torquey 34 and a half yeah then uh you know right i mean especially there. being up here how many like snowmobiles dude how many snowmobile yeah. rides you know those guys are hitting bar to bar to bar to bar to bar yeah it's like that just and this is again sober guy saying this stuff like there's nothing wrong with it if you can handle your shit i can't handle my shit so like i can't yeah. do it yeah and there's i mean when you're in a group of a, a lot of people like we had this recent ride and we had some sir on guys doing the little wheelies and the surons and it's like mm-hmm. you know i i mean i guess they're doing a little dancey thing that they do hopping around the seat or whatever <laughs> these wheelie guys do and like it for us it was like making everybody crazy because it's like you know like everyone's had like three beers nobody's bike is registered we need to stay in file go the correct speed <laughs> follow the law nobody gets hurt nobody gets arrested we're all gonna like you know, as much as we're like, we're oh, going to go home here. tonight. Yeah. As much as like, oh, we're being crazy rebels. It's like, no, like we're just trying to like have a good, clean fun. So when these dudes are like doing the little hop aroundy wheelie stuff and swerving in the middle lanes, like I first had to like reprimand the guy at intersection and then he would like tamed it down, but was still like dangerous swerving, yeah. swerving in and out of the crowd um, doing that thing. I mean, he, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, but point is, is that, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, doing doing that is part of two-wheel culture, but there's the other part of it being like, you understand, like, at that point, you've taken this stupid risk, you now need to keep everything else that you're doing yeah. in line, in order, safe, functional, 
um, so that it doesn't. And there's a time and place for everything. Uh, showboating like that in a group ride, probably not. Like, do I like going? Do I like going super fast in a group ride? Absolutely not. I hate bringing fast bikes on a group ride. Like, I want a bike that goes like 40 miles an hour. And I'll throw his name out there. Jake Kane has probably the fastest moped, street moped in America. Toby, that thing is uh, insane. Does he ever bring it on group rides? No, because it sucks to ride in group rides. Like, <laughs> granted, he blasted on people. He he did bring it out to the Daggers Rally because everybody's heard about this thing for years. So he, he is did that like bring that it really out there. antique French bike. What with the Tomos on it? Maybe or something. Yeah, it's the it's the Moby at the Tomos and okay. like see, I Jake, know it. Yeah, yeah. No. Like Jake, that thing, the acceleration that thing has is you'd swear it's variated how quick it is. Yeah, yeah, you know. Tomoses are good for good for some things for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just I there's my little rant about nothing. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're we're talking. I I figure like you and Jackson, whatever it was, a couple of weeks back, just just kept talking, right? So yeah. But. Oh, dude, like <laughs> no, and that that's the secret thing about that I love about my podcast. Like I'm over here on St. Paul, the right side of the river folks. And that actually had a lot of people in Minneapolis upset that I kept saying the right side of the river. I'm like, look at a map. It's the right side of the river. And like, Oh, um, but like, this is the one time a week I get to talk with mopeds with people. Like I'm really sporadic for hitting the group night. Thursday night, the casserolers put on, especially after, like I joking, like I tell people all the time, like Baker's changed me as a person and as a rider. Like I don't like huge group rides anymore. Like I love going to rallies. I love to see the people, but like you give me one or two people, I'm good. Even then. Do you know a person called Bob Edwards who goes on casserolers rides? I know. I've heard the name. Well, doesn't matter. He just ordered a uh, Spark Cycle Works, you know, electric moped, the the Bandit from us today. So that'll be getting shipped to your neck of the woods, and we'll be on Casserola's rides here. Uh, Dude, come, nice. Come, I'm come all about season. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, um, why do I know that name? Ah, yeah. But um, no, dude, that's awesome. I'm glad somebody from Minnesota is supporting the yeah. Detroit Moped Works. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Like. It's all rad. It's all rad. That's why like, I don't hate e-bikes. They scared the shit out of me personally because especially those Onyx, like I saw them when they first came out, like there's no sound. Like that's yeah. terrifying. I think, uh, yeah, I, I, pro, pros and cons about it. I like to uh, joke to people. It's like, well, they're good for crime. You know, <laughs> you're doing some crimes and get yourself in and out, not noticed. Um, and you live in Detroit, so that fits the MO. No, I'm fucking Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> No, I mostly like graffiti people. They got to sneak sneak around. So I'm like, use one of these little sneaky, sneaky things, right? The secret ingredients <laughs> crime. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, um, the Onyx RCRs are are cool looking and they got a lot of power. Um, but I love the CTY2s, the little step through ones. Fuck yeah, dude. They yep. they handle really they handle really well. Like I'm a I'm a big like Series B Murray Free Spirit um, mm-hmm. type of person. I like a big long step through a pook and like that's that's what it rides like except dependable you know (laughs) um but like yeah like they do 50 the weights like the center of gravity is correct on them they handle really well like they're good looking and i think Mm -hmm. the pricing on them i mean i know for a vintage moped person like you know 3700 bucks is a lot of money but like 
in the in the like 50 mile per hour e-bike world like you can't get something that's that fast with that big of a battery with that big of a motor that's that good looking that mm-hmm. rides like a moped for that like it's just that it doesn't exist so i think that for for what they, I'm, I'm looking at them by the way that's what i'm yeah yeah i, I see guys and i was just um, gonna say like dude those things look a step through is a moped like that yeah. i'll say it like that looks like a moped to me like yeah. that's why i fell in love with hobbits because that and you know poo like the pooks like the step through is a moped it's a moped yeah. it's the way they're supposed to look top tanks are just pretend motorcycles there i said it yeah you know what uh i was a lot of, you go through a lot of learning curves right it's like there's always uh that i started in that mindset of like step through moped is a moped and then holly like really wanted a magnum and i'm like don't get a stupid magnum just get like a yamaha 125 or something mm-hmm. and then we went down and like went to ohio where we get all mopeds from and yeah. like went down there and got her a magnum he got it running first ride around the block i was like oh i get it this is awesome this, this is just great like it's yeah. such a good ride um i mean for pinball run it's like the bike that makes sense like Big gas tank, big comfortable, but you got you got and dude, I have a top tank. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I mean, I think you might have seen it on Instagram. Like, I yeah. you have to have a big tank. You have to do a top tank, unless right. you're Urban Decay and you have a freaking monstrosity of whatever the fuck that thing was. But you know, love you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm definitely a pro step through person as a general rule. Like the Mondays, I much prefer the uh, the step through that they've got. The Onyx, I much prefer the step through. Um, like I said, I like the I like the big step through pooks. But like, fuck a Magnum's a good bike. Yeah, like, yeah. And like anybody who wants to be too cool for it, no, they're just they're so good. Like they're so good to ride. Um, so so good to ride. No, dude, I and I like a Mag. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say I will never own a Magnum. Like I think they are a good handling bike when they're set up right. Like I've been on a few of them and they were not. I wanted to start. That's my problem with mopeds in general and why I have a hard time riding other people's mopeds. If I know there's something not correct on there, I want to fix it. I yeah. want to start working on it. And like, yeah, that's, that's why I like to stay to my bikes. I think something too about like the big stable bikes. Those, it really depends what you're using them for. Like when the, the 2017, 18 Tomoses that we had, mm-hmm. you know, those, uh, the racing TTs, the yep. big, classic thing with the big wide wheels and the hydraulic suspension and all that. Like, I mean, you got those things and that thing had the same motor as the, uh, you know, as the regular step through. Yep. And like when you went the 32 stock or whatever you went on the step through, it was so much fun. So torquey, like just stock bike. Great. Torquey fucking perfect light. 32 felt fast. And on the big one, like 32 was so boring. It's so, yeah. so stable. Right. And like your goal is to like, get from your house to work to the clubhouse fucking whatever you're doing mm-hmm. like fun right you're not doing it practically you're doing it fun and like the smaller bike is more fun now the mm-hmm. bigger bike like people would come in here and say i have a 15 year old that i need to get to school safely i'm like well you put them on the one that feels safe and not fun and has disc brakes and has hydraulic suspension <laughs> and like is going to not kill your 15 year old like yes put them on this thing or transversely like oh i want to do kick carb pipe cdi go 56 miles per hour like well then sure yeah buy this like massively overbuilt thing so that it feels like kind of safe at 55 yeah but, like if you just want to go about 40 like you don't need to feel safe you need it to feel fun 
Yeah, yeah, and that's the way I feel. Like I got, I gotta get that thing fixed next year. My Chow, I have uh, seventy three, dude. That thing is the most fun I've ever had going twenty seven mile an hour. Like yeah, that you thing... don't need to go any faster than like thirty four on a Chow. I think yeah, that's like, that's like, all I know you know Lee Pinkerton who lives in St. Paul. I gotta do my I'm getting all my greatest hits in tonight. Good. He rode that thing when I had it running. He's like, dude, that thing does not feel like it's twenty seven mile an hour. I'm like, dude, I've GPSed it. That's all it does. And yeah. They're just it they're just so much fun. And I'm gonna leave that bike stock. Like I just I need to put seals in it and whatnot because it was from way back when. Yeah, no. And I mean I think one of the funnest rides I ever had is I bought um a Newport 2 from the other side of town here. I don't know. Ha- half hour drive away. Not too far, right? But like, mm-hmm. um, I don't remember if I took a taxi, if I got dropped off. I don't know how I got there, actually, in retrospect. <laughs> it was like pre-lift. I don't know what I did to get there. But point is, got there somehow, got this bike, and I was like, I'm going to ride it home now. And it was a, this bike only went 25, and it wouldn't idle. And I like, it was hard to start. So I had to like, keep it full throttle the entire <laughs> way. Right? That was like the only way for me to get home so like you know i'm riding bike lane sidewalk hopping curbs like i'm just blowing every single intersection because yeah. there's no no stopping this thing and like it starts raining and i'm like in the rain just like did not back off one second for this yep. entire like hour-long ride or whatever it ended up <laughs> being back and like i never had like it was one of the funnest rides it's just me by myself like in the rain hopping curbs <laughs> giggling going 25 <laughs> but like just just perfect and like you know, if I had to be like, oh, I'm going to watch my temperature gauge. How many RPMs am I hitting? You know, yeah. like takes all the fun out of it. Like, yeah. or even for that matter, like, oh, this thing goes 45. I should follow the laws and like be a participant in the rules. But like yeah. when your bike doesn't barely make any noise and only goes 25, like you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah, yeah, dude, that <laughs> you just describing all that shit. Like that was the end of Baker's for me. Like I was once we got the bike running again. I drill started it, and when the hard seize happened, that the um, clutch bell and everything jumped forward, so it actually loosened the clutch bell nut on that Hobbit. Ooh. So I didn't know this at the time. I started the bike up on choke, and I just freaked out, and I just told my chase driver, or shut it off, I'll start it up again, I'm putting my helmet on, and I'm going to get to the finish line. Well, my cell phone mode had been it broke, so it was like it wasn't holding anything upright. I'm running this bike on choke through uh, Portland yeah. with, at the time, I didn't know it, no clutch bell nut. So I had to keep, but I knew the bike was acting weird, so I was trail breaking it, trying to keep the motor, the clutch engaged on the clutch bell, and I rolled it on the finish line, and the first person I saw was Travis of Travis Tutorial. Oh, yeah. And he looks at me, he goes, hey, Jim, there's your clutch bell nut right there. So, like, <laughs> dude, yeah, that is probably the greatest feat of dry riding i've ever done in my life yeah that's uh especially at the end of it right like you're so you're spent you know it's just like it's just uh you have a a way to end yeah it's a good way to end it you know like i said ours was in that hailstorm, and we ended up like coming down this hill and we're in like i don't know like three feet of water just like some ridiculous like up to our knees the motors are like underwater spitting out and my air filter had gotten wet and so like i wasn't going 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 and i realized like oh I just pull off my air filter, my bike will get get to the finish line. So I'm like, rip off the air filter. I'm kind of just like protecting it from the rain with my calf. You know, just 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 like an absolute like glorious tragedy. Like yeah. just just perfect. 
<laughs> so good good to end that way if you end like easy it's no fun yeah exactly yeah. i mean you'll have to if i don't know how much you talked to rigsby from lslb like those guys have a story how they ended bakers which was like they they found yeah i'm, I'm not gonna wreck their story because like it was absolutely struggle and unbelievable but they they finished it well, um i think that one of them was in our shop like two weeks ago it was a, a girl that rode with them is that correct there yeah was a- there's rigsby had two uh riders uh there was rory and i forget yeah but yeah I think you're you forget right. was in our shop um like last week so that was like just exciting to see somebody that had, like just wrapped up pinball run and still all geeked on it oh yeah uh, everybody know. this year is still geeked on it like yeah, i talked to perfect. sam uh and zach and sierra and like everybody's like dude i can't wait to do it this coming year like this there was something and i don't know maitland would be the one to tell you but like we all got along so well it was like this huge great community event thing like everybody there like it was so rad like i mean there was bickering in between in the teams because you know like that happens on but like as a collective dude everybody was so like nice and caring and giving it was really awesome like and that's why i stress to people it was awesome yeah i would uh i don't know that i have it in me anymore but like you know uh also uh, funny my mom was like so that was a cool once in a lifetime thing that you're going to do once in your lifetime right once not again you know but um well that's what my mom my mom knows me well enough and like i my mom i love i love gail like love my mom i'm a mama's boy but like she goes you're gonna do this every fucking year now aren't you i'm like yep (laughs) she she knows me like yeah but no dude no, um, I can't wait to see you. I'm going to try to swing up to Detroit because I've never been there, and I maybe yeah. check out your shop uh, building gather weekend. We'll see what happens. Um, I, again, Alex, I can't thank you enough for coming yeah. on Second Thanks Chance Moped Podcast. Um, yeah, dude. And if you ever find yourself in Minnesota, don't forget, you always have a place to stay, uh, yeah. rallies or not. Um, so, like I, I always say, what yeah. was that? Oh, I just uh, appreciate it. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hold on a second afterwards. Uh, like I always say to people, like, listen, subscribe. And Alex, don't forget, mopeds are dumb. They are. All right, dude. <laughs> Talk to you later. Right.